0: what is good guys and gals and welcome to the films and pixels podcast episode 18 i'm your host Afif. for this week's topics some stuff i'm actually very excited to talk about and mention uh, first i'll be finally going over my ro- movie review for dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh, some groundbreaking news regarding ea sports and fifa more on that soon uh Apple announces that the iPods are finally ending, after all that time, Uh, plus more info on Gotham Knights gameplay, plus will it be on TV now, and also some specs now available for Sony's Xperia 10 Mark IV, so those are the topics for this week. Before we get going, please like, share, comment, subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff, if you interact, help this channel engage, you know, just leave a comment in the comment section helps with the engagement interaction, you know, brings more viewership to this YouTube channel and to, to this video. It'll be good for me. If you haven't seen previous episodes, please check it out. <clears throat> so that'll be good. But you know what, um, despite talking about uh, multiverse of madness for this week's episode, weird thing is I've yet to see, uh, everything everywhere you know, that Michelle Yeoh movie. Uh, so I hope to catch up on it eventually. I don't know or remember if it was ever in the theaters, but uh, I'm sure it was. I just didn't catch my on eye on it. But <clears throat> again, if you haven't done so, uh, please uh, check out previous episodes. And from here on out, uh, let's get going for episode 18. After many years of anticipation, delays promotion, marketing, and trailers, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is finally here, and I'm glad I got the chance to see it on Saturday night. And I gotta say, um, after watching the movie, I, I, I'm actually pleased. Now, it's not one of the best out of the 28 films, so this is the 28th MCU film, but it's still very good, it's still very solid, so I really liked what I saw, despite reports of uh, Scheduling changes, reshoots, rewriting scripts, changing directors even as well, and um, even like reordering uh, release dates, because it seems like it was supposed to be Multiverse of Madness first, and then Spider-Man No Way Home. So this is something that I was aware of. I don't know if that's true or false, but uh, without um, wasting much time. Uh, I'm really glad that someone like Sam Raimi was actually brought on after Scott Derrickson stepped down due to creative differences. So I'm glad Sam Raimi, as someone who has worked on Spider-Man films and um, horror films like Evil Dead, for example, I'm glad he was the one for the job and he did exceptional. It was a very good film, but again, I'm not calling it the best, not even the best uh, phase four film, but I'll talk about phase four in in a moment. But he was perfect for this film as as well. And uh, Scott Derrickson, who did direct the first Doctor Strange movie in 2016, did stay on as one of the executive producers for this movie, so at least something happened there. Uh, And, you know, the film does carry on previous plot threads. I have been established, not just from his first movie and what's happened from Avengers 3 and 4 film, and even, I think a little bit of No Way Home, although I'm not sure if if, um, that's been referenced in any way because it doesn't seem like both movies connect and I kind of wish they did. Now I'm really glad that a lot of the familiar characters did return like Mordo and Christine Palmer. Rachel McAdams really got a lot to do. She was given more of a bigger role in the film in some ways so I'll talk about that as well. A uh, new character in the movie, uh, America Chavez, played by uh, Ikshoti Gomez. Uh, she's a 16-year-old actress in the movie. First time we're seeing America Chavez, who can you know, uh, transport herself from one dimension to another, but she doesn't yet fully know how to have control of her powers unless she's scared. And while I'm glad that uh, there's this new character in the movie, um, I was a little bit underwhelmed and sort of disappointed in the film how she was used and I understand that, that she was new but I mean she was to me like used as a plot device which, which was basically like uh, save and protect uh, this young victim from uh, the Scarlet Witch when Wanda Maximoff uh, you know the Scarlet Witch I, I want to mention that as well. But although like for Chavez there was more of a backstory about her family which did add a little bit more character depth, but still, she was just used more as someone who just needed protection for someone who's powerful enough to, I could give a strong punch to someone and go to different uh, dimensions and all that. But throughout watching the movie, like I'm really glad that something like this, like someone for Ramy, like he brought his expertise on how to. Uh, you know, surprise us and keep us engaged in the horror moments, especially in the scenes that uh, Elizabeth Olsen really got to do with her acting chops. Like there were like some tense, quiet moments with Elizabeth Olsen as uh, Wanda slash Scarlet Witch. And I, I just really felt they were really interesting. And it was a really f- uh, fresh change of pace for Marvel Studios. Like there's still some moments of high high octane action, that's for sure. I mean, it's still on brand, but I'm glad that, like, there are some horror elements as well, you know? Like, there was this one moment where I got a surprise jump scare, but it was really nothing. So, I'm really glad most of her scenes kind of, it's not meant to be scary, but try to show her that, like, she's a terrifying force uh, to be with. <clears throat> yeah, like I was saying earlier, as for Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer, um... I, I, th- I thought it was interesting, you know, watching it like she got to play one version of Christine Adams, who we know close to strange. And even when he attended her wedding, you could tell, like, although they saw feelings for each other in some ways, you can tell, like they feel and know that their relationship has been broken for obvious reasons for one way or another, and it couldn't make like, they couldn't make it work. And so those are the consequences of his actions you know, having his own destiny and so forth. So that's understandable. It makes sense. I am glad to see her as a different uh, variant, different dimension of the same Christine Palmer character with, you know, more scientific, more intelligent. So I thought that was really cool to see. Sort of similar from a nurse to like a scientist in Earth 838. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. And like, even in the third act of the movie, like still feeling uh, very familiar with each other but knowing that uh, they can't make it work and it just shows how for both characters there's still like some unsettling feelings and some um, and there's still some on-screen character you know that shows tension. Now I, ever since watching the movie I've noticed how online there have been uh, questions of Wanda's character arc. You know, has it gone down since uh, the WandaVision TV show? And um, I'm going to say not entirely. And uh, yeah, hold on. Sorry, I'll be back. A few moments later. Sorry about that. I was interrupted for a moment. But yeah, I was just saying, uh, you know, Wanda's character arc that was established from the films previously and then throughout WandaVision. And then... um, how it was teased. Yeah, sorry. It was teased in the end of the uh, series finale when she had the dark hold, like some evil magic book. Don't think too much about it, but like an evil magic book. And she could hear the voices of her kids. So it was teased that, like, her kids in the Multiverse of Madness movie would somehow, some way, be involved. So, as someone who we've seen grieving a lot, you know she once again grieves as a mother. So I get that character arc of like, you know, having suffered so much loss and pain, you know, wants to find a piece of her happiness again. So, and I and I get how some people think, well, you know, it, it went downhill because she accepted the consequences of her actions. You know, WandaVision was about uh, the stages of grief as well. And then like by the end of that series, like just accepted it and realized, um, you know, the consequences of her actions, and moved on. So she was willing to find a way to, you know, reach her kids again in a different dimension, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifices, even if that means turning to a killer. And this is what's so interesting, as someone who we never really thought or imagined that would be a killer, it was an interesting dark path, you know, to be like this all-powerful witch, which is like what she is in this movie as a mother trying to find a piece of her happiness again. And, and this is what the whole Scarlet, Witch mythology is and so forth was teased in the TV series. And again, like, uh, it was cool to also see another doc, evil, Dr. Strange in a different dimension, although because of the dark hole as well. So I love how we got to see different versions of these characters as well. And even like, uh, a nicer, well, not I wouldn't say nicer, but more of an innocent uh, Wanda as well, possessed by the evil one we've seen throughout the movie. And you know she got to use the full extent of her powers in this movie, so that was a crazy and interesting part, as well. Okay, now I think I've said what I can about uh, Wanda. I want to talk. Sorry, I want to talk about uh, the cameos in the movie first. Cameo. Most people who know Sam Raimi knows this part was coming, and that's Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, you know, he acted, starred in the Evil Dead movies. He even made cameos in Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy films. So it was cool to see Bruce Campbell again, uh, as someone just selling hot dogs in a different dimension, Earth 838. That was pretty cool to see interacting with Strange. And then, of course, there was a, a cameo of familiar actors, familiar sort of familiar characters, At least a few of them. Part of this uh, group called the Illuminati. Now, just disclaimer, uh, they're not the same evil Illuminati. I don't know why they seem like the good guys, sort of. Uh, They're just, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil who was casted as some of these characters. I actually think uh, if you saw the trailers, you can kind of guess one of them. But I will say that Mordor, Baron Mordor, Carl Mordor, whatever, was back in the film, but not the one that we know. Uh, Mordo, 838, as part of the group in the movie, uh, clearly know Strange well. And they share similar uh, characteristics, similar personalities between the one the one that we know in the first movie and the one that we meet in the second movie. And so when he was summoned by this group, he was just, uh, uh, you know, being warned of, uh, how he was supposedly a hero on Thanos, but not really. Like, so, you know, of course they came into conflict with Thanos and, uh, you know, how they dealt with his fate, so to speak. So I'm sorry for the spoiler details. So I'm really glad Sam Raimi brought his ex- expertise on the horror genre, plus the comic book genre that he's been fam- familiar with. And I really liked how early on in the movie, uh, someone asked him like, were those sacrifices on the MCU Earth, Earth 616, was it worth it from the five year absence? What Thanos did and what he had to do to stop them and the sacrifices lost and all those forth. And I I thought it would have been interesting to see uh, sort of the damages, you know, sort of the losses of the situation that may have caused. And I think what happened in that time, I think, impacted his relationship with Christine Palmer. So yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see more of the repercussions of what happened in No Way Home, but I think scheduling changes and reshoots, conflicts, behind the scenes stuff may have impacted that situation. Um, I don't know if it's true. It seems like America Chavez was supposed to be introduced all the way back in No Way Home. That would have been cool to see. I could see how America Chavez would have fit in as well with the cast of Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I don't know how throughout the film. I would have liked it at least in a post credit scene since that movie didn't really get a proper post credit scene. But otherwise, it's fine. So yeah, I mean, I won't spoil the cameos, the rest of the cameos in the film. I will say that maybe some of you that have seen them before, it's very familiar. But yeah, if you have not yet seen it, uh, go, go watch it. It's actually a very good, very solid. I'm just glad that they pulled it off despite everything that's happened behind the scenes as well. As for how I feel in the Phase 4 area, maybe, I think at the moment, second or third best, because No Way Home is the best MC, uh, Phase 4 MCU film. I really like Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings. Maybe a second. But... I think the rankings for me may change by the time Thor Love and Thunder comes out in July. So I anticipate uh, Love and Thunder being as good or even better than Ragnarok. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, go check it out. It's definitely worth a watch. Just temper the expectations a little bit, but it's definitely... uh, a very good film and one that I appreciate as well that changed the pace a little bit into more of the horror elements aspect and now more in the superhero comic book genre. So yeah, definitely very good film. Yeah. I almost forgot to mention, uh, regarding Wanda, just one more thing. Uh, I almost didn't realize the detail how there's a more of an evolution and a change in her outfit. Uh, if you look back with her WandaVision outfit, as the Scarlet Witch, by the series finale. Of course, uh, Revelation, like, this new tiara look, crown tiara look, something like that. Like, a uh, darker red, almost maroon color. Like, a sleeve, uh, sleeveless look, but also, like, the ch- chest plate. Uh, sort of, like, the extra details with two uh, stri- uh, stripped lines sort of thing as well. And you could see, like, how in the movie, like, of course, like, uh, different, sort of a modified look of the crown tiara look as well. And even the eyes, like there's a deeper uh, eyeshadow color, more of a more red in the eyeshadow color as well. Like, even of course, now with the outfit with sleeves, uh, more details with the chest plate, chest as well. Uh, sort of a more antagonistic look in comparison. Like, I found this image from Fandom Wire. So, it, it really did a good job just having the photo side by side or I should say horizontal. No, sorry, vertically, my bad, but like um you you can tell like even more of a leather detail. If there's one common thing, it's the colors and the leather detail as well, but more so in the multiverse of Madness film, of course more sleeved look, uh hair more back. So the you know the idea of the outfit, like more so the same, but uh newer and different details Kind of like a different look as well that's been changed for her outfit as well so that's just something I almost forgot to mention before and I just wanted to say that here all of a sudden unexpectedly it now seems like both FIFA and EA sports are gonna end their partnership yeah I literally did not see this coming I actually never imagined the day when there would no no longer be any more FIFA video games And that's exactly the case that's now happening so it seems like um you know fifa there's going to be fifa 23 this year that's for sure but as for what's going to happen more details will come by summer 2023 so now when it comes to ea sports new football gaming it's now simply going to be called from now on ea sports fc right so by 2023 and onwards it's going to be ea sports fc Titles, however, I mean, the DNA that we all know whether it's like ultimate team and the career mode, the pro clubs, Volta football they're going to be there as well. I mean, that won't change. And they still have a licensing portfolio of like 19,000 plus players, 700 plus teams, 100 plus stadiums, uh, even like 30 leagues uh, that they've invested for many decades. And they still have partnerships with Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga serie a and even the mls so in terms of all the licensing deals and likeness and names that they can use it's still going to be there but uh, what kind of changes other than just other than just the name um i really don't know but more will be revealed by summer 2023 so it seemed like it kind of goes as far back as sometime last year like ea has been reviewing uh, naming rights agreement with fifa and all of a sudden like things changed out of the blue maybe with the co- manufacturing cost with the new generation consoles I don't know but it seems like EA CEO Andrew Wilson he's been indicating that he was dissatisfied with the company's branding deal with FIFA why now I like I don't know it's not clear to me at least EA will make uh, football video games but um with a new brand of their own with their own football series that's what it just sounds like to me. Um, okay, we know, and we've known for a long time. There's been a competition from Pro Evolution Soccer, Konami's IP soccer franchise. Both FIFA and Pro Evil have been competitive against each other in the football gaming space, but for the last couple of years, uh, Konami have uh, rebranded the name as simply eFootball and even making it free to play. Although the results haven't been so great, due to the poor quality of the graphics, but is this going to be a chance for Konami now to really be a more premier football gaming franchise again? Uh, we don't we don't really know how will, will they you know re-strategize their e-football brand. I'd like to see that because I mean this is a now there's now a window of opportunity to take back really the more popular spot FIFA has had for many decades for multiple console generations especially through the 7th and 8th gaming gen so yeah when it there's going to be FIFA 23 and we'll see how sales and reviews go but beyond that that's pretty much it so i mean i i, I didn't see this coming I, re, I i didn't really like predict something like this would happen i I'd be more satisfied if all the Call of Duty games stopped being yearly releases, you know. It's nothing personal, but I mean, it's just, it's obvious that that's a cash cow franchise. And, you know, a lot of money every year has been made for FIFA and EA Sports so, as well. I didn't see this coming for a sports title, but other than FIFA, maybe like eFootball, as I said before. Uh, NBA Live has been up and down. I don't even know why EA sports attempted to come back with NBA live. Not really great. WWE 2k, it seemed like was okay for a while. Then I think when it was 2k 20, very bad glitches, trying to get back on track. But I mean, I'm not being biased, but NBA 2k has been really one of the more popular top premier gaming sports franchises for a long time. Even getting like sports game of the year awards and nominations. really being innovative pushing the tech forward so um, yeah I I don't think this will affect much with other sports franchises but uh, will FIFA have new sports video games of their own from a different developer Uh, that's not been said but for now I'm gonna doubt that guys and gals after 20 years believe it or not 20 years Apple has finally announced That they are now discontinuing the iPods. Great timing. Now of all times. I mean, like, of all the moments. Why now after 20 years? Or after like some time with the iPhone and iPad. Skyrocketing in popularity. I don't know. It's just really convenient timing. I mean, what took them so long to just finally admit that it's going to stop manufacturing more iPods I just uh, as much as I love the iPod I had the iPod classic I had it for 10 years my history with the iPod goes back to 2008 I had the iPod classic at that time there was no iPhone yet even the iPod touch there wasn't the smartphone yet so the iPod to me was revolutionary in terms of how we listened to music and interacted with it you know slowly but surely my iPod falling apart not falling apart but the software breaking up slowly not working properly and what and like by 2018 that was just it i mean even before 2018 it was failing slowly but we've seen Apple with other uh, iPod products like the mini the classic the nano as well they've continued those for some time it's just a for the last few years or so it's been really the iPod touch products that have been relevant and there is even a revised iPod touch and like that came out i think in sometime 2019 it's just that whatever supplies are left that's all but they're not going to make any more i th- i think it's the right move and really since 2015 since 2015 they've been, they've stopped reporting sales of the iPod and i get it i mean like you know with more iPhones that they're making, of course, it's gonna be more expensive. It's just not worth the manufacturing and shipping costs of any more iPod touch products. It doesn't make sense. And really the reason why everyone loves the iPhones so much it's because of the iPods itself being similar to the iPod, but really more of with the SIM card to make phone calls and skyrocketed even further, like even more popular than the iPods. And we've seen the popularity it's had now, the impact in today's pop culture, today's society, cinema even, and many forms of life as its biggest competitor to Google's Android phones that have been used in every smartphone manufacturing company. So the iPhone, its legacy is not really over. Even though the iPod's legacy ended, the iPhone's is just getting up further and further and further, despite any dissatisfaction with the latest iPhone 13 or 13 Pro Max, something like that. But the fact that the iPod has been in manufacturing for the last few years is just kind of puzzling to me because I don't get what's the point. If no one's buying these things anymore, why waste more money to keep manufacturing and shipping them? I mean, the only reason I can think of is either just for a, at a party played by your friend's DJ or a DJ at a wedding or something, or like in the car as a playlist for your rides with friends or whatever otherwise i can't think of any good reason why until now apple has been manufacturing producing shipping ipods to major retail stores all over the world but you know what better late than never i'm just glad <laughs> that's just finally over i mean i at least this moment gave me time to reflect on my own ipod I mean, I like the classic, but yeah, I, uh, great memories, but I wouldn't go back to it. I mean, I, I guess I'm fine with all in one sort of thing with the smartphones. So yeah. After some time, there's finally more details, more updates, and even a gameplay reveal regarding Gotham Knights, the sort of Batman spin-off starting four characters, Batgirl robin nightwing and red hood in the game and regarding gotham knights it's going to also be picked up now finally by the cw which everyone knows them in recent years for for picking up a different com different uh, dc comic book series despite that they did also announce that legends of tomorrow and i think there's one more i did say legends of tomorrow and batwoman both uh, dc shows being cancelled so With the gameplay reveal, I do want to mention some details as well. Uh, There is also an announcement for the release date by October 25 of of this year. October 25, 2022. So that's also good news. And also, the development has sort of shifted, changed a little bit. They're no longer going to be working on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One consoles. And that's really fine as well. Like, If your full vision can't be fully realized of any sort of interactive video game that you're trying to make. Don't waste any time and resources and money on any old hardware that can't really live up to what you're trying to do. That's very understandable. Even if I don't have any of the new gen consoles, I know it's on Windows, so I'm sure it'll do fine on my laptop, but I'm not mad at it. You know, it's common. Like we've seen cross-gen releases of brand new games and when played on older hardware, it just doesn't live up to expectations. It just looks worse, watered down, broken, glitchy, buggy in some way. So that's really fine. Okay, so in terms of gameplay review, uh, I thought it was actually pretty interesting. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, the combat, watching the combat, it sort of reminded me of the Batman Arkham style. Now, to be clear, in terms of the plot and story, It's definitely not a spin-off or a sequel to Batman Arkham Knight. Not at all. In fact, the sequel to Arkham Knight is actually uh, the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. Also developed once more by Rocksteady. So they're taking care of that. Uh, This one for Gotham Knights, I think by Warner Bros. Montreal uh, gaming team. So the gameplay footage. I mean, there's some uh, YouTube video available. Uh, regarding gameplay combat for both Nightwing and Robin Hood. And uh, I actually liked what I've seen. The combat did remind me of the Arkham games. I think that was pretty cool. The free flowing combat, counterattacks, attacks, uh, using the gadgets and weapons and so forth, even a third person camera, whatever, using shooting. So I thought it was pretty cool. Like, you know, I was just seeing some bits of uh, Robin uh, fighting, kicking with the, with the sticks and so forth. I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought it was pretty weird how Red Hood was traversing considering that Red, Red Hood is not someone with superpowers. But I mean, whatever. They did explain why, but similar gameplay with Red Hood, with the guns, third person shooting as well. So I really liked how he took inspiration. I mean, we remember they did uh, develop Arkham origins back in 2013 for seventh gen console so that was pretty cool and the open war like different ways of traversal like I was saying whether it's like uh, even Red hood using his motorbike or something like that going after a criminal with uh, with a arm truck and if there's something I'd, I liked that we that we're familiar with it's like a prompt for counterattack and even a prompt for dodging unblockable attacks. I think that's just something I've noticed. Uh, You know, the story kind of delves deep into like the team kind of trying to move on and grow up without Bruce Wayne. I mean, he's either dead or seemingly he's disappeared. So, you know, there's a moment that shows like even in their own little headquarters, they're still trying to move forward in the absence of Batman, someone that they've known well, grown up with forced your relationship with despite any tense, uh, uncomfortable moments and so forth. Of course, like, you know, the open world map of Gotham, there's customization. There's also like gameplay customization of upgrading equipment, changing equipment, changing the looks and so forth, crafting gear. And I like that as well. I, I liked how there's customization involved. So I appreciate how even the relationship between the characters as well kind of gets delved deep into them because they're very complex people and they're flawed and I really like that. That was actually pretty cool as well. So in terms of antagonists, the, the game, and I'm pretty sure the TV series will come into conflict uh, with the Court of Owls. They're supposedly like a secret organization group of people, of course, like some sort of owl masks as well, but. The Court of Owls are supposedly as old as Gotham itself, so I don't really know much about them other than they like they have influence and all that. But um, but yeah, that'll be good to know more of them, I suppose. But I really like how the combat was influenced by a previous Arkham games, so that was actually pretty good to see. Of course, you know Court of Owls with these like uh, creepy white masks, but that's fine. <laughs> not creepy but it kind of has that signature their signature look almost like owls and whatever <clears throat> so yeah like even uh, the one moment where red hood is fighting like a court of owls assassin like you can see like uh you know there are like these red prompts it's like unblockable attacks so i th- i just think that's pretty cool as well kind of testing how the player fights enemies and so forth um I'm pretty sure puzzle solving I think sometime early in the video like also like a detective mode following the trail of wires and how to switch on it indoors it is familiar gameplay tropes but I think more will come more information will come over time but this is a good start um I'm I'm pretty certain it'll be like a 60 fps if anything I'm pretty sure there's 30 fps mode but I I'm confident it's going to be at 60 FPS for the most part, because I'm pretty sure the old gen couldn't do 60 FPS for this game. So that's pretty fine. It, it looks good, but I, I do think there needs to be more modifications with the combat. But this is like not even yet a year away, like one year and five more months in time. So that'll be good to see. But the gameplay footage, very good, very exciting. October 25. PS5, Series X, Series S, Windows, so um, I like that. But but yeah, like, obviously one thing you probably noticed, there's no gameplay footage currently for Batgirl and Robin. I'm pretty sure that'll come eventually, no more details. I think there might've been a trailer also involving those two characters, but I mean, otherwise um, anything you're, you're probably aware of, it wouldn't be too shocking. I mean, if based on the footage you've seen how they'll play and react, then expect more of the same. But yeah, October 25, the platforms I announced to recap, and also a TV series picked up by The CW. I don't know how many episodes, but that's good to see. I don't know if it's just a limited series as well, but again, uh, it's good that uh, more of these characters are going to be explored and we will know more of their relationships. That'll be fun to watch. Okay guys and gals, um, I just want to also, last topic for this episode, want to talk about breakdown, uh, some of the specs that have been finally revealed regarding the Sony Xperia 10 Mark IV. Uh, It seems like expected release date could be sometime in June, which already feels very soon. Now, uh, it is going to run the Android 12 software, but in terms of the body, the dimensions, it'll be like... uh, <clears throat> 153 by 67 by 8.3 millimeters. So, it it is a very large phone, a uh, very tall looking phone, I should say, uh, with a six inch screen, uh, and the resolution will be 1080 by 2520 pixels with a 21 by 9 ratio. That's actually pretty cool. That's made in. Uh, Corning Gorilla Glass Victus, uh display. Okay, I tried that. Sorry, but um, there's also obviously going to have like either single SIM or hybrid dual SIM. That that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm glad that there's going to be more of you know Sony evolving their smartphone tech. Oh, you know with the chipset known as the Qualcomm SM sixty three seventy five Snapdragon six ninety five five G. So more of the Snapdragon chipset that's popular with Android phones. Also with the octacore 2 by 2.2 gigahertz, cryo 660 gold. Okay, I try. <laughs> and with the GPU of Adreno 619. So, I mean, like for those that understand that kind of technology know better than I do, but at least like there's gonna be like 128 gigabytes of hard drive six gig ram phone so that's actually pretty cool uh yeah of course uh the important part the main camera uh 12 megapixel main camera 27 like three different lenses actually like and then an 8 megapixel camera 54 millimeter type telephoto like 8 megapixel ultra wide camera so 12 megapixel wide camera, 8 megapixel telephoto camera, and like 8 megapixel ultra wide camera, LED HDR panorama type camera, and but the video will be only like at 1080p, 30 FPS. So it doesn't go much further for some reason. But at least like the selfie camera is just like 8 megapixel. There is HDR and like 1080p, 30 FPS, but that's it, yeah. Uh, At least it's good that for me personally, I like that there's going to be 3.5 millimeter jack port. So like, you know, some, instead of relying on a USB port or type C USB port, Thunderbolt port, at least there's headphone jacked for me to plug in my earphones if I want to, other than just using Bluetooth headset, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, Wi-Fi, GPS, NFC, uh, as expected, but... I don't think the specs, I don't know. Other than just Android twelve, uh, oh yeah, five thousand MA etch, a battery Lipo. Um, they're still pretty good specs. But if they're if it's gonna be priced like close to a thousand dollars, I it just looks and sounds underwhelming to me. I don't know. It's not really like jumping on top of the screen for me, you know? I mean they are good phones. I haven't really tried the Mark Four, Mark Xperia One, Mark Four series phones, and and all that. But you uh, know, it, it's just not really like cutting out for me in terms of excitement. But I know that they're pushing the technology forward, and they've released a lot of um, high tech, high branded like um, I wouldn't say innovative but very well-made phones over the last few years. Other than, I know Samsung is a popular choice, but I wouldn't dismiss uh, Sony Xperia phones. I'm not saying that personally, being biased just because I had one before. I just think that they're really upgrading and pushing their mobile tech forward. So it's really good what they've done. I think like the Mark IV phones seem to be the more premium choices for the most part, but it's like every five, six months, they have something new. So at least like they're trying, but it costs like more than a thousand dollars, a lot of these phones now, nowadays. I mean, even like Galaxy Z Fold phones from Samsung costing a thousand dollars. I mean, it's great that uh, there's a mix between modern and retro, but that's still a lot to ask for. If you're satisfied with your own mobile phone, so yeah. Um good for them, I suppose. As long as they're as long as they're keeping up with the competition, they'll be fine. Alright, guys and gals, that pretty much wraps up everything I've had to say for episode 18 of the Films and Pixels podcast. If you have watched and listened from beginning to end, thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. Please like, comment, follow, share, and subscribe to this YouTube channel. It helps an independent channel like this really grow. So uh, I very much appreciate the kind efforts and support that you give. Thank you very much. Uh, any comments in the comment section, always good for the engagement. Again, thank you so much uh, for watching and listening to the Films at Bixels podcast, episode 18. Good day and good night. <laughs>